Hello and welcome to episode two of the 2017 season of the Five Lights podcast, the Formula One podcast. Race one is in the books and what an interesting weekend it was in Australia. We had new drivers, new cars and a new result in Australia this year. It's going to be an interesting season by the looks of it. So we're going to take a look back at that first race of the season, see what stood out for us and see what we thought of the opener. Yes, me and Mark are going to take a look at what happened in that first race. It was, as I say, a very interesting opening weekend to the 2017 season. A lot's happened, and as I say, a brand new result, something a bit different up front, which is nice to see. But before we get into it, I need to introduce the second character in this show that is the Five Lights podcast, and that's my brother Mark. How are you doing, buddy? I'm all right, bro. How are you? Yeah, very good, thank you. Very, very good. Interesting weekend, wasn't it? As I've just about three times now. Yes, a very interesting weekend. A few surprises thrown in over the weekend from even as short a distance as Saturday to Sunday, I think, was a big surprise. So, um, yes, yeah, so, uh, plenty to talk about for the first race of the 2017 season. Yeah, let's get into it then. And we'll, as I said, we're not going to start with the race straight away. We're going to look back over the whole weekend. Uh, and because we've got a week's gap in between the next race, what we'll do is we'll do our look ahead to China next week. So we're just going to focus purely on the Australian Grand Prix today in this show. So we'll start with Friday. Uh, and I didn't get up early enough to see FP1 and FP2 because it was just too early. Plus I had work as well, so I didn't get up to watch them live. But I did see the results come live, uh, come up on Twitter when I woke up. And uh, I have to say, I was slightly concerned when I saw that the Mercedes was a full second clear of its uh, nearest rival, which was Ferrari. That was a little bit worrying, wasn't it? Uh, yes, <clears throat> um, that was a bit of a surprise. I knew they were good in testing. Uh, we've seen Ferrari was good in testing. Again, like we said last week, you can't go by testing, but you thought there was a bit more pace from the Ferrari than was shown on Saturday. So I think I got the impression that Hamilton had gone in and he was a bit annoyed still from last season, how it ended and how he came away with nothing. And uh, it was it was ready to go for a full season of hardcore racing. Yeah, I mean, it, I woke up and saw that I think Bottas was three-tenths of a second shy of him, and then Vettel was a full second below. The thing that sort of made it a little bit better for me was that the Mercedes was on the ultra-soft, and the Ferrari ran their fastest lap on the super-soft. So and I think Pirelli said that accounted for about eight-tenths of that difference, uh, but it was still it was still quite a worrying sight to see, because when you see a full second difference, you think, oh my word. And then Ferrari obviously came out with the excuse that they were still doing tests as well. They were obviously doing the car set up on the Friday, so the Friday's not really something to take into account however again as I said still quite worrying and we saw our first look at the new drivers um, we saw that uh, Lance Stroll was flying around in the, in the Williams and he looks a little bit rough doesn't he a little bit sort of wild around the edges yes he looks like he needs to um, well he's, he's a rookie it's his first time in an F1 car during a race situation but he did look like he was struggling a little bit controlling the car for one and yeah he just needs to hone his skills I mean he, I, don't, I don't think anyone's going to come in with the same pizzazz as Verstappen did. Just Verstappen seems to have a natural talent for it. But Lance Stroll, yeah, I think we'll see how he goes for the rest of the season. It's early days. Um, he didn't crash. That's one main thing. That is a bonus. Right. So, uh, which I was expecting from after testing. But yeah, um, you know, he's, we'll see what's to come from him. You know, Williams wouldn't take him on with, if he was going to be completely rubbish. So they must know something we don't. I know he's been testing all week. Uh, all, uh, all winter in uh, with the old cars and that, so it'll get there eventually. 
Yeah, uh, and then we <clears throat> we also saw Pascal Verlain. Now, Pascal Verlain was driving on the Friday, wasn't he? Just to clear that up, he was. I'm sure I saw him driving on the Friday. He was driving um, on the fr- Friday, and I believe he was driving Saturday morning, and he got to a point where he said, look, this doesn't feel right, and uh, decided to uh, hand the car over to... Giovanni? Giovanazzi. Giovanazzi, that's it. Giovanazzi. Yeah, I mean... He did quite well, actually. He did He did do very well, actually, uh, considering he only had sort of you know, Saturday and um, Sunday in the car. Um, the, the thing that, that stood out to me is what Martin Brundle said in the pre-show on Sky Sports. He said that, um, you know, he preferred to drive 30 laps and then retire the car. I, I think I can see both points points of view. I mean, if, if Verlain's hurt his back that badly that he feels that driving it will only make it worse, so he's only going to prolong that time he's going to be out of the car. So it's better to rest it now and get make sure it's perfect for the next race <coughs> rather than potentially do a race, damage it even further and be out for, say, half the season. Yeah, I agree. I mean, um, he's a nice chap. I worked with him last year and... Um, it's a shame he's got that injury because you know Saber wasn't a bit of a step up from where he was last year. Um, but I, I, I think I have to side with Pascal. If he's not happy um, and he's not comfortable driving with the, the injury he's got, then that's fine. I mean, he's only got to have a shun or something happen on track that jolts it and he could, uh, one little injury that's near to recovery could end up in something like you say that ends up with a half a season out to a season out to maybe a career ending in F1. He might not be able to sit in the car again and be comfortable because they're not the most comfortable of cars especially going around at them sort of speeds so I have to um, side with Pascal and say look if he's not happy he's not happy I know him like any rate of fine driver he wants to be in the car he'll do everything he can to get into that car but if he's not happy then you have to take his you know take his word for it and say look it's not going to happen this weekend hmm uh, the, other, the other point from Friday was the McLaren team. Now everyone was watching the McLaren team with, with uh, close, you know, closely under the microscope. They were after what had happened in the preseason and what had been said between Alonso and Eric Boulier and Honda, uh, and they managed to string twelve and nineteen laps together consistently. But they still had issues. They still weren't perfect, and it still looked very worrying for them. Yes, they they're well away from where they. A want to be and A B need to be. You know the staff staff of staff of Van Dorn finished last pretty much uh, two laps behind. Fernando Alonso didn't finish at all. Again, he's not going to be happy with that. So they're gonna, they're going to struggle to keep Fernando particularly happy. Um, I think you know, McLaren have got a long way to go, and I don't know where they go from here. I mean, what you know, you've had three years of Honda. Honda should know now what's going on and how to build an F1 engine. It's just I, I don't know. I'm speechless to, to really to say where they want to go. I mean, Ron Dennis must be looking at it from the outside now, thinking, look, the, the team I've built is now disintegrating. Yeah, yeah. We'll t- we'll come back to McLaren a little bit later on, but we'll go on to Saturday now. And uh, obviously, we had FP3, and Julian Palmer lost control of his car in FP3 and managed to uh, slam it into the wall on the last corner. And that highlighted one issue in the fact that these shark fins might actually make the cars a little bit harder to catch if you start that spin going. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. So I think that was um, apparent in a couple of incidents this weekend, uh, particularly one on. I think it was on the Sunday morning. I oh, know Sunday Sunday race actually. I think uh, yeah, because there's so much surface area for to be attacked, the cars literally literally just got a massive surface area to be pushed and go go around with it. The momentum gets carried through, so it's harder to catch the car. It is yeah. So we saw a couple of drivers have spins over the weekend and. They, whereas in seasons past they look like fairly easy ones to catch 
these ones, as soon as it starts going, it really goes, and it and it goes yeah. all the way around. It, it just throws the cars completely, and the drivers are completely helpless. And it was quite actually quite a big shunt for Julian Palmer. He looked frustrated with himself because obviously it was driver error, error. But he he did look frustrated with himself when he did it. But Julian Palmer is another driver who's really got to prove himself this year. He didn't have a great 2016. He's got a better teammate now uh, alongside him, so he's really got something to do to to try and secure a drive for 2018. Yes, he's got. You know, I, 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 I'm still. Well, I, I probably know why he's he's there this year. Um, financial reasons. I, I don't think he did a lot last year to prove himself, but he, he's back in the car this year, and he started off pretty much the way he finished last year. He's he's yes, he made a driver error, but he was the only one to make such an error on that last corner. That last corner is always tricky, but even with the you know the immense grip and downforce these cars have now got, he still managed to swing it out of control on the last corner. And I, I just, yeah, I think he's got a lot to prove, and I think he's going to struggle. And the more pressure that gets piled onto him, the more mistakes he's going to make. Indeed. And then we moved on, obviously, to qualifying on the Saturday in a slightly different format this time around because we've lost uh, Manor. So it was five cars guy in Q1, five in Q2, and then obviously we have the top 10 shootout. And it was uh, a little bit up in the air, so to speak, as regards who was going to go out in Q1. We didn't really know. Uh, we knew that McLaren were probably going to be there. At least one of those McLarens was going to be there. But the rest was really up for grabs. It could have been anybody. Uh, but we did lose um, Lance Stroll uh, in the Williams, who had to take a five-place grid penalty anyway due to a gearbox change, which he knew prior to, to qualifying. So whether they just decided not to push it too hard for him because they knew he was going to be towards the back and they just let him go. But the biggest surprise was actually... Giovinazzi stepping into the Sauber and almost out-qualifying Marcus Ericsson, just missing out on that final lap uh, and slagging the 16th place. Yes, uh, so he, he came into the car, late notice, he's done really, really well. Um, he was very close to Pippin uh, Ericsson. He made a mistake on the last sector, the last couple of corners he made a mistake. He ran wide just before the pit lane entry, uh, which I think would have uh, well ruined the lap pretty much. He pitted straight after that, but that was definitely a good lap. And to come in, as he did, and and perform so well, you know, and give Ericsson a good run for his money. I thought it was really, really good. Well done. I mean, it's 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 gonna do him wonders, and it's gonna get his name around the pit lane, and it's just another step further in his career. Indeed, and then we obviously went into Q2. Not too many surprises in Q2, but the biggest actual surprise for me was again. Roman Grosjean in the Haas managing to wrestle that car up into seventh place uh, when he eventually got through to Q1 and managed to qualify uh, in, the, in in Q3. Sorry, um, Haas again going really well. They went well in Australia last year. Went well again in Australia this year as regards qualifying anyway and showing good pace again with the old Ferrari engine. Yes, <clears throat> I think Haas have come on another. I was a bit unsure about where they'd come this year. I didn't think they'd be. I mean, it's still early days. I, I didn't think they'd come out the gates as quick as they have done and as uh, competitive as they have done. Um, they obviously struggled a little bit later on. But yes, they're both, they've got two good drivers there, both experienced drivers. They've got a year under their belt. They've got good funding behind them. They've got the Ferrari cup deals with them. So they, they can only really go up. They can't go anywhere. So they've got, they've got, they've got to push forward. Haas is going to want them to go forward. Um, so yeah, I think they... Again, Roman, great driver. Um, same as last year, he, he's wringing his neck and he's getting it to where he needs it to be. Indeed, and, and then obviously we had the top ten shootout, and that was a. This is where we were really going to keep an eye on because the, the things we we're going to keep out on, obviously, who was going to qualify pole, who had the real pace, because Ferrari and Mercedes throughout the session were trading fastest laps, and it looked like uh, Hamilton was going to completely run away with it. He was two, three tenths clear at some points, and then uh, the other thing we we're going to look out for is would this fastest lap 
go. Now, in uh, in FP3, uh, Vettel actually broke the lap record, I believe, didn't he? But he, he, I don't. Th- I've, I've seen conflicting reports whether he broke the lap record or not, but he certainly went very, very quick uh, in FP3. So we're going to see whether that was going to go. We were going to keep an eye on the pace of these cars and how fast they could actually push them, and obviously who was going to go on pole. It was a very tight fight. Uh, and the, also the other thing that was going to come in is would it rain? So we had a, a whole cacophony of things going on in, in Q3, and it was a very interesting session. A very interesting Q3 for the first for the first one of the season. We had the we heard there was spits of rain from certain parts of the track, but I think that was being drifted in from rain elsewhere in the city. You could see in the in the TV pictures that there's big dark clouds and huge rain clouds um, in the background, but they never made it to the track for Q3. Um, Bottas came out strongest at the first seat. He pulled up a hell of a lap and then was quickly pipped by Hamilton. So it was a bit of a as normal, it was a bit of a yes, me first, then you, then me, then you. So it, it was entertaining between the, the two Mercedes and, and Sebastian Vettel. Uh, Kimi Raikkonen never really got up to the speeds that his teammate did, all the Mercedes, but his, them top three was uh, quite a close battle. You didn't really know, although Mercedes had come out quite quick in the first two sessions, you didn't really know how it was going to end. No, and then obviously towards the end of the session... Ricardo trying to push to get up into the uh, the front two, pushed a little bit too hard, came out of a corner, and again lost the back end. Nothing he could do about it. Complete passenger at that point, hit the wall, dislodging the rear tyre, and that actually ruined the gearbox, which meant he had to have a gearbox change and took a five place grid penalty as well. He had an awful weekend at his home Grand Prix. Yeah, I was expecting a lot more from Daniel Ricardo, being as it was his home Grand Prix. And I respect him quite a lot as a driver. I think him and Jos are going to be great this season. Uh, but again, he, it's an, uh, um, an unusual mistake from the likes of Daniel. And, you know, and you could tell that once he lost it, there was no way he was going to get it back. And it was just that part of the track where the runoff wasn't enough for him to keep it out of the wall. And uh, you could say well, he was sitting in the car long enough. He knew you know, he was upset with himself and probably frustrated with himself because it's home Grand Prix. And he, you know, the potential was there to finish get some strong points to begin the season, but it's, it's a mistake. And I think, like you say before, the the it went round so easy. And I think them shark fins are going to be a problem when, like you say before, the car does go. There's no real way of stopping it. No, I, I think you mean Max, not Yoss. I'd love to see Yoss back yeah, in the car. Yoss, why am I saying Yoss? <laughs> but, yeah, it's it, late at night. It, I, I've been up too long. <laughs> it's it. We're still we're still recovering from the Australian Grand Prix. I was going to preface this podcast with if I do what fall asleep. 2017? Are you sure it's 2017? Yeah, I don't know what we. I don't know where we are. I don't know where we are to be honest. Um, so yeah, so it was a very interesting um, qualifying. Hamilton taking the pole, split the two Mercedes. Uh, did Vettel coming in second, Bottas third, and then uh, we had Raikkonen, and then it went on and on and on, on. Uh, and then we got to the race. And what's becoming a fairly common sight now at Australian Grand Prix is a car stopping on the formation lap. I think the last three seasons now we've seen cars either stop on the formation lap or the parade lap uh, on the uh, before the race has even started. And this time, again, the homeboy, Daniel Ricciardo, haven't stopped with a sensor issue. Yeah, he had an, aw- he had an awful, um, awful weekend from sort of, you know, especially Saturday. And then he thought, you know, he had to start from uh, the back of the grid or wherever it was on the Sunday. And he just couldn't, he just nothing happened for him. He just couldn't, he had no look. And I hope that's not something that's going to continue on his side of the garage through, through, through the next few races. Um, but it's just something you've got again with. And, I, you know, he got out at the end, a uh, few laps in. But again, that was, it was short lived. And I don't know, something was just wrong with that car for the weekend. It just wasn't on, it just, it was too early for that car to start the season, I think. He just didn't want to play ball. It wasn't awake, it wasn't up. 
Um, and then we had a bit of confusion because obviously Ricardo was in 15th place and then as Hulkenberg I think came up to form up for the grid I think he went accidentally into Ricardo's spot so they had to go around again on the parade lap um, because obviously uh, he was in the wrong position so we lost the lap of the race the other, the thing that annoyed me about this incident more than anything was people on Twitter were saying oh, that's Ricardo out of the race, Ricardo's retired and it's like well hang on he's not officially retired yet until the team said he's retired, he's not retired. He got out of the car, he had still had his helmet on, the guys were still working on it. The race hadn't even started yet, he's not retired yet. Well, this happened a couple of times in the race. We had a first lap incident with um, Magnussen and Ericsson, and people were saying then, well, that's Magnussen and Ericsson out of the race. They didn't. They continued on for about another 20 laps. They weren't retired at that point. So people just on, on Twitter just need to cool down about retirement let's let's wait until the car is completely retired before we call for their retirement because there were a lot of people calling for early retirements before cars had even stopped uh, and were still going around so that's that's my bugbear with that but then anyway we got into the race the race started we obviously had this new start procedure slightly different from last year more control given to the driver more control on the clutch less of these drive rates so we were potentially going to see an incident on the race start where people were struggling we didn't see that i think the drivers got to grips with it i think they're slowly getting to learn how to control these cars without using all the driver aids we had a fairly clean getaway mercedes making a great start hamilton especially ferrari were a little bit sluggish and everybody got through the first corner clean but around turn three as i said magnuson and ericsson coming together a complete driver error by kevin magnuson yeah, it's just, you know, uh, <clears throat> getting into the season and uh, getting that first race and the first few corners underway, you're out You're out of practice. Although you've been practising and practising and practising, it's just getting into that race situation. There's, you know, 19 of the cars around you. You've got to try and get through these corners in one piece. And it is difficult. The cars are now wider. You know, you've got so much going on. I was surprised something happened. nothing happened at the first corner, but like you say, they all got through quite cleanly. And unfortunately, they just got a bit tangled in the... In the, in the uh, but, third fourth corner i think it is but again i think it was magnuson it was, wasn't ericsson's fault so much i think magnuson had just outbraked himself he, he sort of lost control of the car and the car understeered straight on into um, ericsson's car and they just collided but nothing no no um penalties were given or no nothing was said by the stewards so it's just one of those racing incidents for the first lap of the for the race yeah we didn't really see anything else like that in the rest of the race really i mean the, the, the main thing that people were picking up on is would these cars be able to follow each other? Would we have overtaken? Would we get that close race? And, uh, and the other thing that was pointed out is Australia's a, a bit of an anomaly. Yes, it's the first race of the season, so we get to see who's fastest and, and, and what's going to go on. But actually, because it's a street circuit, it's so front-loading. It's so strong on front-loading. It's, it's a bit of an anomaly compared to other circuits. So this race is going to be completely different to what the next two races are going to be in China and Bahrain because it's a different style of driving uh, and it's, the circuits are wider so that potentially we're going to see closer racing in those next two races. So we didn't see too much close racing. And I noticed by about lap four or five, the cars were already getting quite strung out. Yes, <clears throat> it wasn't the... Uh, I mean, Australia can throw up some good races. It can throw up some good overtaking. But this wasn't one of the... The best ones. It was. Um, I think we we're expecting a, a bit more from the start of the 2017 season with the new regs and the new cars. They look brilliant out on the track. They, I, I'm loving the new cars and the aesthetics of them and the the stuff that they've done. The designers have done on the aero with all the new furniture bits and all. It's getting it's getting more like the F1 we want. But yes, it wasn't. It wasn't the most exciting of races for overtaking. I, I think um, certain cars, especially the Mercedes, they seem to struggle uh, keeping up with people. And staying behind them for the overtake um, 
very much so. But at Albert Park, like you say, is normally it's not going to be the same for the future few races. I think, I mean, you've got China next and Bahrain. They're both ma- massive circuits, long straights. We're going to see the full potential of these cars put to the limits. Yeah, indeed. I well, let's hope so. And then around about lap, th- I think it was two or three, uh, Ricardo rejoins the race. He comes back out of the garage, the, the Red Bull mechanics getting that car fixed and getting it out because, as was mentioned, if there's a safety car, he'll get to unlap himself and he's got potentially t- a chance to, to make something of the race because you never know what's going to happen. And also, it's good testing. You know, more than anything else, it's good testing, get some data on the car uh, and get it out. Um, then, as the race progressed, Lewis Hamilton was out front and it was the Mercedes drivers, Hamilton and Bottas, and uh, Max Verstappen as well in the Red Bull, who were complaining first about the tyres going. They were the ones saying that the tyres are going to go. We didn't hear any of that from the Ferrari guys, suggesting that they've got it right as regards looking after the tyres, whereas the other guys, they're really going to struggle. Even with these, these longer-lasting tyres, they're still struggling for grip. Yes, I think <clears throat> from what I from what I know, um, Mercedes run quite a lot of error. That's why the, the quick the chassis is quite a quick, quick car. The the fallback from that aero gain is the fact that the tyres do not last as long as other teams. I know Ferrari, especially in previous seasons, have been quite good with their tyres, and uh, that showed again this season. I think the Ferrari designed the car in a way that you sort of go hand in hand with balance. And tyres, and that show. And I mean, Hamilton started with tyres that are used anyway. And most most cars had used tyres that were slightly newer than Hamilton's. And I think Hamilton was set. I think he set in his mind that he wanted to go to uh, whatever whatever he pitted. He wanted to go a lap more, but he could he just couldn't physically get the car around. Now, he, he was complaining quite early on. Hmm. He was, yeah. He and, he and very vocally, he was pretty much every lap. We had a radio message complaining about tyre deck uh, and the one thing that was brought up um, during the race in the commentary was actually the undercut may not be a thing this year the thing they may look at is the overcut so what you might do is have a car go longer especially in Ferrari's case you'll have a car go longer uh, because of the sheer speed of these cars um, the overcut's going to be the thing to look out for and it's exactly what we saw in the race so Hamilton pits around about lap 17 he comes to the pits to put some new boots on Ham- uh, Vettel went about 5 laps longer and people at the time myself included were going why is he not stopped yet why is he not stopped yet and then when he does stop lo and behold he comes out in front <clears throat> yeah Vettel, Vettel had the pace throughout he wasn't he wasn't losing pace he was he was keeping up he managed to maintain the gap uh, the unfortunate thing for Ferrari was, and Mercedes knew this when they took the pit stop, was that Hamilton had come out behind Verstappen. Hmm. And actually, you think, well, brand new set of tyres behind a car that's got dead tyres, Mercedes would go straight past it. But it wasn't. They couldn't, you know, as I said before, Mercedes could not. One, it's, it's one thing getting up to the car, there's another thing overtaking it. I think Bottas and Lewis both struggled to get past cars and they were stuck behind them. So that, that scuppered any chance that Mercedes might have thought they had. You could see that reaction from Toto later on when Vettel did come out ahead of them. It's just, you know, for Ferrari had, had it all set up. A lot of people saying Mercedes lost it for themselves, but I don't think it was. I think Ferrari had the better car on the day. And what did you make of Hamilton's attitude following <clears throat> the Vettel stop? Obviously, Vettel coming out in front. There was a lot of radio messages after that, and Hamilton's attitude seemed to change quite dramatically in that moment <laughs> it's Lewis he's, he's a racer when he when he gets in the cockpit he's um, he, I suppose he, he's just, the racer comes out of him and I find him to be one of the most vocal mm. uh, of drivers I mean it's, it, with the team he's won three world you know two world championships and he's won a third one with uh, 
McLaren. I mean, it's not all down to him. He's got a team around him, and more often than not, the team are out there, and they will give him the best opportunity they can. They do every single time. They're not out there to scupper him. He's just got a. The thing I find with Lewis is he just doesn't understand. He's trying to do too much on his own. Hmm. And he's trying to run the race from inside his cockpit when all the information is with the team on the pit wall. So he's just got to rely on their information. Nine times out of ten, they get it right. They didn't get it right this time. But then he couldn't. There was nothing he could do. He said he had to pit at that time. He went into the pits, got his new set of tyres like he wanted. He came back out and he just couldn't get a pass for Stappen. So yeah. if he, you know, it's it's, it's 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 part of racing. If you can't do the job on the track, then you got you got to make do with what you've got. Yeah, because I find it to be quite defeatist uh, in the fact that he'd come up behind Verstappen and he came out behind Vettel. And within a lap or two, he's saying, well, I can't pass. I can't pass. Yeah, exactly. And, oh, and I can't pass. I can't do this. Well, hang on. Your race job. Yeah, it's going to be difficult, but do you want it or do you not want it? Mm. If, you know, I mean, <laughs> you can't just come out halfway through the race and go, well, that was ahead now. I can't do it. I mean, if there's any race where you should actually risk it, potentially it's the first race of the season, because what yeah, have you got to lose? first race of the season. Give, it, give it all lose. you've got. Yeah, you, you <laughs> Yes, you could damage it. I suppose you don't want to do that. You could. But it's the first race of the season. Pedal to the metal. You know, make a stand. Verstappen was on, on all the tyres. He should have been able to overtake. I don't know what the rules state and if, how the car was affected and the aero and the turbulence and all that. To get up behind him and overtake him, he's, you know, Verstappen is hard to overtake, I admit. But mm. someone of Hamilton's experience should have been able to give it a better, better go at it than what he did. If he wanted to win that race as much as he's, he did. Yeah, it, it stagnated from there. I mean, obviously, Verstappen then stopped and he came out of the picture for the front three. And it was actually Vettel out front, Hamilton struggling in the middle with Bottas, who was closing down on Hamilton like a rate of knots. So he was really getting the most out of the car. And the driver, potentially under the most pressure this season, proving actually he's got it. Because uh, what we didn't really mention and what I didn't really realise uh, before Australia is Bottas does not really go well in Australia. But actually, he did a pretty good job in that Mercedes and, and kept Hamilton honest in the race yeah he kept the car on the track he did well he, he, he followed his orders you know he wasn't complaining on the radio he was he just got into the car and did what he was what he's paid to do what he wants to do is drive you just get in and do the best you can with the equipment you've got you know he's got a good car underneath him the best car he's ever driven he was chasing Hamilton down like nothing you know it was just easy for him he, you know, he just got his head down and got on with it and he was chasing Hamilton and I you know, I think that he was told to call off because that would have just tipped Hamilton over the edge if Bottas had got past him. So, mm. but yes, he did very, very well. And uh, yeah, he's not the greatest round Australia. He's had a couple of races. I remember in his early years where he was quite strong, but you know, it wasn't to be. And I don't think it'll be too long before we see him on that top step. <clears throat> absolutely, absolutely. Um, so. The the other big thing was was overtaking as we as we said and we didn't see too much if any up the front really but we did see a few bits of overtaking towards the back of the field and in the midfield and there was one particular overtake towards the end of the race that was fantastic where Alonso led um, uh, Sergio Perez and Nico Hulkenberg over the line and then they ended up going three abreast at the first corner with Sergio Perez overtaking Alonso and Hulkenberg almost taking both of them uh, a fantastic move three different cars three different engines three different chassis uh, all in the mix on that start finish straight great to see yeah that was probably one of the best moments of the race to be honest it was because uh, you didn't really I, I thought there was going to be a collision because they all came out so fast and spread out into the three wide I thought I was just going to be no someone was going to misjudge something and I was just going to end them in carbon fibre going everywhere but they did really really well I think Alonso was a bit shocked 
and then Alonso almost came back to uh, get Hulkenberg on the next next go. But uh, it was good. That's what we want to see. That's what it's all about. And you know, I don't mind. Okay, if if Mercedes win it or Ferrari win it, I mean, I quite like the, the idea that Vettel had won it in the end. Mm. You know, it's a bit of a change. It's what we want. But I'm quite happy to see. You know, if the top five are just racing along, <coughs> excuse me, doing their mind and their own business, but you've got another 15 cars on the track, find out how you know, hammer and nail. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm quite happy to see that. We just want to see racing. <laughs> we don't care. We, I mean, obviously. We have fandom towards certain drivers, but really, what the main thing we want to see is fighting throughout the field. And it was great to see that that bit. But it was going back to McLaren watch. It was literally straight after that overtake happened. The radio came on. Alonso complained that the car was pulling to the left and he had an issue, and then he had to retire the car pretty much a lap later. Stoffel Van Dorn he'd complained earlier that he'd lost power in the race, and he was sitting languishing at the back of the field. So McLaren had to retire one driver, and they had the other driver finish last. Why? Yes. You say, uh, yeah. where do we go? What you can say about McLaren, it, it's going to be a long season for them if this is how it's going to be. I mean, the last few seasons they've struggled at the beginning, then by the end of it they, they've come on quite strong, but it, by that time it's too late and they don't seem to carry the form from the previous season ending into the beginning of the new season. I think they need to ramp up their, their production of ideas going forward they need to know what's going wrong get it sorted out sooner rather than later and they got they are going to lose the talents they've got of fernando and other talents you know it's not just the drivers there's other people will get fed up with it as well they'll have better opportunities elsewhere where they can express themselves and can do what they need to do so the race result in the end we had obviously vettel winning in the ferrari great result for him his first uh win in australia for for a long time and he's had two winless seasons so to kick off 2017 season with a win is great and the person i think it's 19 out of 20 or something like that the person who wins the first race of the season goes on to win the world championship so a good omen for sebastian vettel fans there hamilton finished second with bottas in third so we had the ferrari and then the two mercedes reichland picking up the fourth place then we had max verstappen in fifth, Massa picking up sixth in the Williams, Sergio Perez picking up seventh, uh, and then a double points finish for the Toro Rosses. Great result for them. Kvyat and Sainz finishing eighth and ninth respectively, and then Ocon finishing out the top ten uh, with the last point. So again, a double point score for Force India. Great start to the season for them. Then we had Hulkenberg in eleventh, Giovinazzi in twelfth, and then as we said, uh, Van Dorn two laps down in thirteenth. We had quite a few cars not finish. Uh, Alonso, he said, with the reliability issues, Magnussen, Stroll didn't finish, Ricardo eventually had to stop uh, due to his sensor issue, Ericsson had to stop due to the collision with Magnussen, I think he had unrepairable damage from that uh, collision, Palmer had a brake issue, he, his, his radio calls were quite funny, he was just going, oh, it's happened again, yeah! as he kept going into that last corner and had a brake issue, and Grosjean was actually the first to retire, the actual person to first retire, Twitter. Uh, and he had an, an engine fire and had to pull over into the garage in a plume of smoke. So that's the first race of the season in the books, really, Mark. What do you take away from Australia? Um, well, from Saturday where Mercedes were like a second ahead, especially Hamilton, to then go to Sunday where Vettel was the strongest driver of the day and the Ferrari was the strongest car there, I think. Although I'm a little bit disappointed that Kiwi couldn't come up and join Vettel for the fight. He finished... 22 seconds almost 23 seconds behind mm. uh, which is a bit you know I want to see a bit more like I said the other week the last week I want to see a bit more from Kimmy I want to see him play a bit bit more of a not necessarily support role to Vettel but be up there and, and fighting with Vettel you know I want to see I want to see I wouldn't mind seeing Ferrari at the top so I think what we can take away what I've taken away is Ferrari have come out they've they, they made a stance and they, they might have been hiding something over the window but they've come out for the race pace 
They've done really, really well. They earned it. It wasn't something that was given to them. They've earned it. I think Mercedes got a bit of a fight on their hands now for this year, which is great setup for this year coming. Um, Red Bull still have a little bit to go, but I think they won't be long before they're, you know, by the European season, you know, Spain onwards, they are going to be up there as well. Uh, Toro Rosso looks strong. I think it's good. I think it just needs to develop. Uh, I think teams need to find their feet with the new cars in race situations. Um, we've had a few, quite a lot of retirements. I mean, very, the, the, all, out of all the retirements, none of them were actually collisions, really, apart from, like you say, the Ericsson one was uh, sustained damage that he sort of obviously wore down throughout the laps he did. But this reliability is obviously still a problem for a lot of teams. And I think as as the races go on, this will just develop into what I hope it will be. It will be a great season between, you know, if we've got two or three teams, I think it's going to be Ferrari, Mercedes and Red Bull fighting for the top positions. And I like to see that week in and week out by Spain onwards. Yeah, I think the other thing to take away from this is we haven't got the token system that we've had the last few years. So there's unlimited, unlimited development. Um, so if teams are behind, they've got plenty of time to catch up. They haven't been restricted on trying to catch up. So if there is a team that is, say, like Red Bull, who always comes strong come Europe anyway, they always seem to have a stronger package when we get to Europe, um, they're going to have chances to catch up. Other teams as well, they're going to have chances to catch up. They'll have seen what worked and what hasn't worked at this race and on other cars. They'll see what's worked and what hasn't worked. They can copy and, and paste a few ideas onto their own cars. So we're going to, I think, by certainly by Europe, we'll have closer racing as well. We'll see how this overtaking situation develops. As I said before, Australia is an anomaly. It's a street circuit. It's very narrow. Then we're going to go into China and Bahrain. Completely different kettle of fish. Very wide, long straights, as you said, so a different style. And also, people were complaining that they weren't getting these barnstorming laps. They weren't five seconds a lap faster. Well, again, this is a street circuit. Let's see what happens when we get those long straights in China and Bahrain where the cars are really left to be opened up. And then we might see those barnstorming laps because the cars are quick. The cars are the cars very quick. quick. The cars are quick, and over the year they will get quicker. Mm-hmm. So by the end of the year, like Abu Dhabi, Abu Dhabi times will probably be four to five seconds quicker. And another thing, I you know, I, I take from this race, which I don't know is a good thing or a bad thing, but um, uh, the Renault Works team was the last of the Renault engines. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. So Hulkenberg finished eleventh, and all the other Renault engines finished above him. Yeah. What's yeah. that say? That's not great for them. Not great for them at all. No, so um, they've got a lot of work to do as well. They, you know, there's plenty of work to be done. Uh, but yeah. yeah. It wasn't the best race to start the season, but it's setting the foundations for what could be a very good race. Almost like a season where it could be, you could have different winners in different races like we did a few years ago. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, the great thing about this season is the token system's gone, so we're going to have that mix up. Um, and what yeah. we could see I mean whereas when I look ahead to races like Monaco and Singapore and Azerbaijan they're very narrow street circuits and because the cars are a lot wider this time uh, we saw that a couple of times this weekend where drivers were taking the same line as they would last year and they were dipping a wheel on the grass and that was turning them round what we could see this year is because the cars are so wider, so much wider, we're going to have quite high attrition rates at these circuits, especially in Azerbaijan going past the church. My word, I think we're going to have quite a few cars come to come to a woes there. So we could see different drivers winning the race purely on that basis. Yes, it's opened itself up. I think the, the story's right in itself, as we, as we speak. There's, there's so much that could happen and there's, there's a potential for... I think it'll be a great season. It's just we're only one race in and it's a street circuit. So wait till we get to the proper circuits. And like I say, the cars of the teams are developing the cars all the time. The drivers are getting used to the cars. It's just going to get better and better and better. 
Absolutely, and that's a great place to end it. That is our look back at the Australian Grand Prix. Now, as I said, there's now a two-week gap between this race and the Grand Prix in China, so we'll do our look ahead to the Chinese Grand Prix next week. That'll either be on Sunday or Monday. Stay tuned to at 5 Likes Pod on Twitter to find out when that's going to be. Remember to do your Fantasy GP, fantasygp.com, and join the 5 Likes League. But for now, from me, Dan, and from my brother, Mark, it is a very much a goodbye, and we hope to see you next week. Thanks for listening, guys. Thank you. Have a good week.